podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It slightly favours the right footer here, but Griffiths, having got the goal, goes again. Oh! have a Hall of Famer on this week's episode of The Hamden Roar as Willie Miller sat down with me, Andy Barge, to look back on his international career. The former centre-back played at two World Cups during the 80s under the management of Jock Steen and Sir Alex Ferguson. Willie, brilliant to have you on The Hamden Roar. Looking forward to looking back at your Scotland career. Plenty of caps to, to talk about anyway. Before we do so, let's quickly discuss the Scotland game last night, a 2-1 win over Cyprus. What did you make of that? I think the result obviously was really important. Um, you, you know, got a little bit nervous towards the end of the game, um, but the, the the players showed good resilience to, you know, come back after the the blow of, you know, losing the goal and the equaliser going in what four minutes uh, to go. So, you know, I think to respond to that um, was very pleasing. And uh, other than that, well, I, I thought it was a little bit of struggle at times. You know, I, I, I felt that. Maybe we gave Cyprus a little bit too much respect at times, uh, sat off them too much, allowed them to control the ball. In the second half, once Andy Robertson you know, struck an absolutely wonderful um, strike into the back of the net, we looked you know, as though we were in control of uh, the, the events then, but just a huge blow of losing, losing the goal so late, so late on, particularly from a set-piece. Um, I think Stevie Clark will be looking upon it as the result is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be looking at he's very early in his uh, managerial career with, with Scotland. Uh, I think that uh, at times he looked a little bit uncertain, perhaps, of what the manager was wanting from them, particularly out of possession. Um, but I, I can only think that it's going to get better. And I think that the, the games coming up, you know, the two Belgian, two Russian games, will be ideal for. Uh, Stevie Clark to um, you know get his thoughts over to the players. You know, playing he, he's had some big results against, against top teams with Kilmarnock, mm-hmm. you know, against Rangers and Celtic. And I think these games coming up will be uh, better games for him to approach it the way he approaches things yeah. as a manager. And I think we've got to look forward to um, these games with a bit of confidence and the hope that we can resurrect uh, the, the, the qualification campaign. Did you, do you expect any changes for the Belgium game then, personnel, tactically? There's maybe personnel changes, but I, I don't know if there would be too uh, too much to tinker with tactically because I felt that, you know, out of possession, um, it was what looked to me like a typical Stevie Clark team performance, you know, and dropping back. Uh, maybe they could have put Cyprus under press a little bit more. That's my opinion. You know, the manager's got his own. Opinion, and I think against uh, Belgium and uh, Russia coming up, it'll be the same type of formation. Um, personnel, you know, Ollie Buck could be a better option up front. His his uh, his strength, his height, his pace. Uh, you know, if you're under pressure against, which we're assuming we will be against them, um, Belgium, that that might be a better option. McTominay as well. So McTominay in midfield could be one that uh, might come in mm-hmm. as well. Again, you know, playing at a higher level. A decent amount of experience now as well, and uh, one for the future. And I think 
he possibly could come in. John Shooter, maybe, I don't know, but he seemed to have between John Shooter and Charlie Mulgrew for Charlie's experience. Um, but I don't see too many sweeping changes. don't think that would be necessary. OK, well, it's going to be a tough game regardless of, of who yeah. plays, really. Yeah. Let's go back to the start of your career then. When you were growing up as a teenager in the late 60s and early 70s, what do you remember about the national team from those days? Um, well, I, I remember always wanting to be one of them, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that... Scotland when I was growing up there wasn't the same exposure to international football, you know, you look back on, on the top players in these days and they were only getting like 20 odd caps because it wasn't the same uh, tournaments mm-hmm. that were available and you, you know, now you, you've got all these different tournaments that, that are available um, but but you looked at the, the top players and you know the Jim Baxters of this world Billy McNeil, John Gregg Jimmy Johnson, you know, these were all the guys that were playing at international mm. level um, uh, when I was a kid. And uh, funnily enough, you know, my, my, my first memory of getting excited about football was 1966, and I know I shouldn't mention 1966 <laughs> in a Hamden uh, Road podcast, but that kind of got me um, excited about football, and, and then you take it on from there, and then you just want to. Of course, Dennis Law as well, who was. Or top, who was an Aberdeen mm-hmm. uh, boy too, but all these Billy Bremner. I was fortunate enough uh, to, to uh, be part of squads with Billy Bremner too. Okay. In fact, in my first game uh, over in uh, Romania, the reason I got a, a game was b- because Billy Bremner got injured and I actually played in his position and oh, took his shirt. Right, I was going to say because you were a different kind of player. I was, you? yeah, I played in midfield the first game. Um, I, I wasn't expecting to be playing in, in, the, right. uh, in the top team, but. Leeds, Leeds had been playing against uh, Bayern Munich in the uh, European Cup final and Billy Bremen had picked up an injury. Uh, so I got invited to play in midfield and play some <laughs> Billy Bremen, which was a bit ironic. How did that go? I think we drew on the day, but we didn't qualify for uh, European Championships. Um, mind you, I think in these days it was only eight teams yeah. that did qualify, so it was Very always definitely. a struggle to qualify for, for the Euros. It's a little bit easier nowadays, although <laughs> we still seem to make it a problem. <laughs> Um, so it was all these type of players that kind of uh, obviously ignited your imagination and uh, and you know the, the kind of a thought process of wanting to be an international player. Did you feel ready when you were called up only 20 years old? Probably not, no. Um, I, I think, uh, <laughs> in fact, history will tell you that I wasn't ready because... <laughs> Um, that would have been, was it 76? And 75. 75, yeah. of course it was 75. 76 was uh, the League Cup we won. Um, 75, and then it took me, I think I got one in 78 against uh, Bulgaria. And then it was 80s before I really, mm-hmm. you know, so it was a long time in coming. And, uh, three months, uh, be- sorry, three years between your first two yeah, caps. That's a yeah. long time. Well, it is a long time. and It was a long time in trying to prove... That uh, that you were good enough to be an international player, but in these days, you know, there's very few uh, provincial players that got the chance. You know, I'm looking back, and you're talking Martin Buckingham, Bobby Clark, got a chance being Aberdeen players, but it was really difficult to break into the international setup. It was predominantly uh, old firm players and players that were playing in England that uh, that got the call, and it took me uh, quite a substantial amount of time to prove. Um, to managers that I was good enough to, 
to, to be an international player and eventually it came you know, predominantly in the 80s. Who would you have been up against then in the late 70s trying to break into the squad in your position? Um, it would be... Billy Mc, no, Billy McNeil. No, he would have been... Um, it would have been Gordon McQueen would be one. Uh, oh, Tom Forsyth at Rangers would have been another one. Martin Buchan was in the squad, although I think Martin tended to play in a full-back area mm-hmm. um, at that time. Um, and uh, Jim Holton, yeah, that that's the type of player okay. that you were that you were up against. Um, I was just trying to think of any other ones, but there's nothing coming to the top of my mind. But that's a selection of uh, players. Kenny Burns as well was, you know, a top player with a top club. He went to Argentina too. Um, so, so there was a mixture of English, as I said, the no firm players that you had to just, you know, try to compete against and try to convince a manager that you were better than them. Was your relationship with Ali McLeod pretty good? It was good as, um, uh, uh, you know, when he was club manager at Aberdeen, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was it was Alan, Alan McLeod that gave me the captaincy at Aberdeen um, and then he gave me that one international game. Mm-hmm. And I was I was named as one of the standby defenders for 78 in the, uh, the World Cup over in Argentina, but I didn't I didn't get called up uh, for that. So you, weren't ex- that. you weren't expecting to be in the squad? I hadn't, I hadn't played in the, the, the qualification campaign, so no. They'd been, been just through injury. Uh, you know, there'd been an accident if it would have been brought, but you know, you take accidents, yeah. don't you? And you make the most of them. So, um, but it, it didn't happen, and it was it was not until really the 80s and the, the qualification campaign for 82 that. I managed to get myself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as, as as a kind of a regular in the squad. Mm-hmm. Your first goal for Scotland came in your well, your only goal for Scotland yeah. came in your fourth cap yeah. against Northern Ireland. Can you remember that pretty clearly? Against Wales, actually. Was it Wales? Sorry, mm-hmm. goodness me, against Wales. That's I don't my forget bad. that. No, you don't forget that. It was a home international championships, but uh, it was against Wales at Hamden. I do remember. I don't know if there's any footage of it. I haven't seen any I've, footage. I've, looked, I've tried on YouTube. Yeah. I couldn't find it. Yeah, but it was a magnificent goal. So if there's not any footage, <laughs> I can I can tell you exactly how good it was. Not was it was two or three one twos, and uh, I finished it. And it was uh, it was so early in my career, and uh, I don't know if I came that close in many other occasions, uh, to be honest, because uh, you know the position that I played, but. I enjoyed that one. It's one more than Alec McLeish because Alec never <laughs> scored an international goal, so I like winding him up. Something uh, you've got over him time. there. Yeah, absolutely. Is that is that one of the highlights of your Scotland career, considering it's a rarity for a defender? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's a small highlight. Um, I think playing in, in the World Cup finals are the big mm. highlights and playing in the qualification campaign as well, you know, but playing against England and beating England. Um, but obviously, you've only got, I've only got one goal. Uh, to look back upon so it is a highlight absolutely yeah. good good you, you became a regular pretty much uh, from the start of the 80s onwards under Jock Steen mm-hmm. how was your relationship with him? well to start with uh, it took me a long time to persuade him that we would have a relationship um, and, and fortunately I managed to uh, persuade him I used to complain bitterly to Alec Ferguson that um, I wasn't getting a chance at international level and I sat in a lot of benches as well you know called up not getting the game and it was, it was frustrating, mm-hmm. I must admit. But, you know, eventually he, he, he won him over. And probably it's a, it was the England game where we, where we uh, beat England 1-0 down at Wembley um, in 80 or 81. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, that I think turned his mind and turned a lot of commentators' mind to the fact that you can go down to Wembley, you can take the best 
English uh, strikers on Woodcock and Francis. Uh, it wasn't, you know, in, in my situation. Big Alec was uh, Peter Wood. He took care of the big tall striker, and I took mm-hmm. care of the other two, one in each half. And they didn't score, and we came away with a one 0 victory. I really think that was that was when uh, it was a kind of a light bulb moment that convinced mm-hmm. the manager and everybody else, because there was a lot of convincing to, to, to be done here, to be had. Um, you know that uh, that was good enough to play at that level. Um, you know, when I was saying, I used to complain to Alec Ferguson, and I remember Alec Ferguson coming back to me and saying that he'd had a word with Jockstein. I don't know if this is true or not. If this is just him winding me up, he had a word with Jockstein, and Jockstein says to Alec Ferguson, "Tell Miller to stop moaning and start winning trophies." Uh, right. And we started winning trophies yeah. as well at the same time. <laughs> Uh, you, you know, in, in 80 with the league title, and I think that all just kind of it was a build up to Alec Ferguson coming in. You know, a couple of years, and then we won the league title, and then you, you know you're starting to get accepted then as being a top player, and then you get the chance to play against England down at Wembley, and you do that, yep. and you come out on top, and that as well, and that really kind of gets you, uh, kind of. A, in front of the, the, the manager, Jock Steen, and, and his mindset for you know starting lineups. There was a contentious moment, of course, you're saying, having to convince him that you were good enough to start for Scotland in defence. There was a yeah. game in Israel, I know that I annoyed you quite badly when, <laughs> when Burns got the nod ahead of you. Is that is that one that kind of just rammed home how much work had to be done for you to yeah. get a place in the team? Yeah, I mean, even, even once you... You, you know, you had caught the manager's eye, and there were still occasions where I, I was bitterly disappointed. You know, that was certainly one because I did not expect Kenny Burns to uh, be in front of me. Um, it was a qualifier, wasn't it? It was a yeah. qualifier, yeah. Um, and and I was totally shocked uh, when it was because um, it was it was Burns and McLeish, and I was left on the bench, and I just couldn't understand why. Not to this day, I can understand why that would happen. And uh, no disrespect to Kenny Burns, but. I don't think he'd been playing for his team. He looked unfit when he when he joined us, and it was just a, a huge blow. And I, I sat uh, for the first half watching us getting ripped apart actually by Israel. Um, we, we were the most fortunate side ever to go in at half time nil uh, nil, um, because he had a number of chances. And, and Jim McLean came out and told me at half time that was going on in the second half, uh, which was a huge relief. And we went on and we, you know, shut them out, and we managed to get the one nil victory. Um, there was that game. There was a World Cup game as well in '82, uh, yeah. where you know against New Zealand, where I was left out, which I couldn't understand. Again, they put in Alan Evans, didn't he? Uh, centre back uh, before me, and Alan Evans had won the European Cup just you know days or weeks before. So you, you can understand that, but at the same time, I'm in the squad and I'm regular. Alan Evans, I think he's had a handful of caps uh, throughout his career. And that was a disappointing uh, moment as well. Was also, you, you, and yeah. Ma- you and McLeish would have, well, have had a, obviously a partnership growing and growing yeah. that you would be able to take more seamlessly into international level rather than the manager swapping about uh, yeah. players. I think we eventually did that, you know, but it took a wee bit yeah. of time. You know, me playing with Hansen, it didn't work out. Uh, obviously, the, the, the Russian game, mm-hmm. uh, you know... It, me playing with Hansen against uh, Brazil as well. Um, you know, Hansen playing with Alan Evans, and we lost the two goals uh, against New Zealand. Which eventually you go into that Russian game, and it's it's all about goal difference, and mm-hmm. that has a big bearing on whether you qualify or not. Um, you know, so, so there's just 
Yeah, I was always wanting to be playing beside Alec McLeish because we had a good relationship. We knew each other, you know. You kind of get almost telepathic. Uh, we played together, and Alec was at the club for 17 years. I was there for 20 years, you know. We played all our lives together. Um, so that that was my preferred option. Um, you know, but they always seemed to be, in, in, certainly in the early 80s, there seemed to be these uh, kind of a situations where it was interrupted for right. one reason or another, um, which... Uh, didn't sit, sit particularly well with me, but you, you don't have an option, you know. The managers get the, cho- the last choice. You know, I'm not going to make a huge fuss about it. I wasn't happy about it at the time, but at the same time, I'm still part of the squad. I've still got to be, you know, supportive of the squad, and uh, that's what I tried to do. Although, you know, on three or four occasions with Big Jock, I was, you know, left in a situation that was really disappointing. There was another one where. And I don't want to be too negative about Jock Steen. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a brilliant manager, and uh, you know, he gave me by far the majority of my caps. Um, uh, but there was another one where we played uh, Sweden away, um, and uh, I, he actually told me that I was playing with Alec McLeish in that qualifying because he was going to play Alan Hansen in midfield. Right. But he spoke to Alan Hansen, and Alan says, "Didn't you want to play in midfield?" So he came back to me and he says, "Will you play in midfield?" <laughs> It's typical big job. Did you, did you get played in midfield? I played in yeah. midfield, yeah. yeah. You know, it's typical big job. He's, he was a master of uh, handling people. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came back to me after telling me I was playing with Big Alec at centre-back. He came back to me and he says, I've got a problem, Molly, and you're the only man that can help <laughs> me out. So he kind of put me in a spot yeah. where um, it would be very difficult to say no. So I played in midfield and Alan Hansen played with Alec at the back. And, and then after that... I, I, Probably after you know the '82 World Cup, I think that is when after that, me and Alec, you know, really did just kind of a solidify mm-hmm. that uh, that relationship, and you know, with Big Jim behind us as well. Then, you know, we went on and and, and played. I don't know how many games we must have played together. Me and Alec, it must have been approaching forty odd, mm-hmm. fifty games together. I would think different now, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, that, that qualifying group for. 82 Scotland topped it I think it must have been two points for a, a win back then was it because it was only yeah. 11 points yeah. in, the, in the table uh, Israel in the group Sweden Portugal and Northern Ireland only one game lost in that what made the team tick what made the team so good and able to go through that qualifying group without much trouble yeah I, I, I think you had top quality players I mean you know you had all the Liverpool players um, as well I mean Dougley scored the goal over, over Nigel Big Alley flicked it on John Wark uh, who who played in that game um, you know John Watt playing with um, Ipswich you know who were playing at a really high level they won a European trophy didn't yeah, they yeah they did Yeah, UEFA Cup they won um, you know the Liverpool players at that time uh, the John Robertson and Kenny Burns with um, Nottingham Forest mm-hmm. you, you know the European Cup holders yeah. <laughs> so you're, you're talking about all these players that were playing you know we've got one now Andy Robertson um, that, that plays in, in European finals. We had a team full of players that were used to playing at that level, and I think that's the answer to it. You know, if we had, uh, you know, nowadays if we had, you know, half a dozen Andy Robertsons that were playing, you know, with different teams at that level mm-hmm. um, and playing in European uh, competition, you see how he's developed as a player and the confidence that he's now got and how he's grown in stature. Mm-hmm. Um, and what he can produce, uh, you know, not just defensively, but you know that strike last night, for instance. And you're looking at you're looking at him, and if you can imagine, you know, 
six or seven players like that in the squad, then you're going to have a good team. Yeah. And we did have a good team. Well, what were the expectations like going into 82 and considering the team was of such a high quality? Well, the, the expectation was to get out of the group. That, that was always the expectation. You know, I think that uh, the expectations nowadays is actually to get a major championship. Yeah. But in these days, you were, what, 74, 78, 82, 86, you know, and, and so Five on. In a row, yeah. you know, so you, you were kind of a used to, and as I said, the European, the, the European championships were so difficult because you're talking these eight teams, mm-hmm. eight teams, so you've got to be one of the best eight. Now, we're talking about having all these players playing at a high level, and it was a kind of a golden age for, for Scottish football. But at the same time, Scotland has never been one of the top eight teams in the world mm-hmm. or in Europe. The world, when you're talking about what we, well, in Europe, when you're talking about European championships, mm-hmm. you know, if, if we're round about 16 to, to 24, that's probably where we're always going to be. Um, so I, I, I think. You know, going into the World Cup, it was qualifying, and you know we managed to do that. Um, but it was getting out of the group that was a big thing. And you know, I played in two World Cups, didn't manage to get out of the group in any of the two of them uh, for various reasons. The one in '82, you're playing against Brazil, you know, probably the best Brazil team that didn't win the World Cup. Um, you play against them up in Seville, and it's, it's mm-hmm. only like, you know, high 20 degrees. But we kick off at four o'clock. It must have been. Probably, uh, well, without doubt, the the, the warmest, the hottest um, game of football that I ever played in terms of the temperature, right. uh, because you're in the cold one right in the middle of uh, Spain uh, during the summer, a uh, four o'clock kickoff and playing against Brazil. Brazil. <laughs> and although we scored first, and that gave us optimism. Eventually, their class, uh, you, you know, took over. Well, you, you came um, back into the team for that one, didn't you? Yeah, after did. missing out on New Zealand, how did that come about? Was there a conversation with Steen and yourself? No, I, I don't remember any conversation. You know, I just remember it, you know, actually happening. I don't actually remember any conversation about being left out with uh, for the, the the New Zealand game. Um, I, I don't know if you have too many conversations with Jock Steen. You know, he right. was a kind of a figure that was uh, kind of on a pedestal, and mm-hmm. whatever he said. You went along with, um, even though you weren't happy, you still went yeah. along with it. Um, but yeah, I was brought in um, for that game, and uh, and you know that's us. Well, we've got the two points, um, and then Brazil beat us, and then you go into the last game, you know, knowing that it's, it's, if it if it's a draw, then it's gold. They've got a better goal difference because mm-hmm. we've lost the two goals against New Zealand. So you're you're then knowing that you've got to. Uh, beat Russia and when you're talking about Russia you know you're talking about all the other states now that yeah. made up Russia at that time uh, you know so they're a very strong side a pool of players um, massive yeah yeah so um, we go into that one and we just miss out so it's bitterly disappointing yeah and I played my part in the in the goal when I collided with Alan Hansen um, we just weren't made for each other you know we're just probably too similar mm-hmm. uh, in style uh, and it was never something that was going to work. It was never a relationship that was going to uh, uh, last for any length of time. And, you know, unfortunately it didn't. But fortunately for me, I was the one that survived it and Alan didn't. Is that particular incident with Hansen a big source of regret during the Russia game? Well, of course, yeah, it's, it's regret. I mean, my memory of the game was actually uh, quite a positive memory up until that, that moment. Um, and, 
you know, it was just a total misunderstanding uh, uh, between us. And I respect Alan Hansen. You know, I think he's a very good player, played at a high level, European Cups, Liverpool. Um, but we, we just weren't made to play together, unfortunately. Uh, and one of us had to go. Did you go on off the park? Not not greatly, not hugely. Um, I, I think there, there was always a, a slight divide between the English bass players and the Scottish bass right. players, um, and you know, it wasn't it wasn't a rift. It wasn't. A, it was just there. You know, it just it just kind of accepted it, and um, the home bass players tend just to get on me. You know, yeah, their their okay. situation and got on well together. And the, the kind of English bass players because they're playing against each other and coming across each other. Uh, so there was a, a, a bit of a divide, but not not a rift, as I said. Um, so I wouldn't say I got on with him particularly well, uh, but I just tended at international level, maybe to keep myself to myself with a group of players. I think as it went on through the um, through the eighties, you know, and, and the Dundee United players started to get, and okay. and you know Aberdeen teammates. Then it was a much more even evenly balanced setup then, and I think he felt more confident within the group that it was balanced and these guys respected you. Richard Goff, you know, Morris Malpass, who I played with on a number of occasions. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it, it was, you know, Miller McLeish and Malpass and, and Goff and the fullback areas, you know, that that, uh, uh, that we played with, with together. Um, so, you know, I, I think, I wouldn't say I got on well with Alan, I respected him. Um, I thought he was a, a very, very good player, but we just weren't a partnership. Right, OK. When David Neri scored against Brazil, did you uh-huh. think it was on? Well, obviously you do. I mean, it was a magnificent strike, and you think, yeah, um, you know, something something extraordinary might happen here. Um, but you also know that you're playing against, you know, one of the top teams in the world in an unusual environment. And eventually, you know, their class showing through. Uh, disappointing to lose the four goals, um, particularly the free kick, uh, you know, that turns it around. But Zico, and, you know, he can do magic things with free kicks. And, uh, and then the second half, the, the second goal was disappointing. It was from a set piece from a corner. And then I think the legs went a little bit and the heads went a little bit and uh, they run out quite comfortable winners in the end. So it was a tough group uh, with... USSR and Brazil there but you said the expectation and the hope before the tournament was to get out of the group yeah. so in that sense does Scotland underachieve in 82? Well I think you could put the case forward yeah um, you know I don't think it was a huge underachievement I think you know when you're vying with Brazil and Russia um, these these are both nations that would have been ranked higher than Scotland so it's, it's difficult to say that it was a big uh, underachievement but I think at the same stage, if we'd have, if we'd have been able to get out of that group, then it would have been overachieving, um, and it was usually disappointing that we didn't manage to do it because the expectation within the camp was there mm-hmm. that that we could do it. You know, it, it's, it's 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 just a mindset that was there at that time that once you get qualified, then it doesn't really matter who you're coming up against, even if it is the best teams in the world, the, the expectation to get out of that group was definitely there. Well, the likelihood is when you get to the finals, especially when less teams qualified back then, mm. no matter who you're drawn against, they're going to be yeah. good teams. And Scotland, considering they were there, could be classed as one of those at the time. Yeah, you're, you're not going to get... I mean, New Zealand were the minnows, yeah. definite minnows in our group. Uh, and there was no way that we were going to get anything other than a victory against them. Um, lost the two goals which 
has an impact. Um, but it was always going to get down to, and it was always going to probably get down to the Russia mm. game. You know, that was a game that uh, we, we had to overperform and, and, and get the victory, and we just, you know, again fell. Well, not again. Well, yeah, again fell short of it. Um, but that's a history of being a Scottish international, a Scot Scotland fan. Mm. Is that you know you, you get yourself into these big major uh, competitions, the World Cup in particular. You know, during the 70s and the 80s, but somehow manage not to qualify out of the group on, on every occasion. We'll, we'll move on now to the path to 86, but first of all, I want to ask this. I found it quite confusing. When I was looking at your caps <laughs> online, you mm -hmm. had three games against Canada in mm -hmm. 1983 in a row. What, what was what that, was all that about? about? Yeah, I yeah. know. Uh, th that was uh, when Jockstein, they were all friendlies. Uh -huh. Um, took us away. When was that again? 1983. I think it at was. At the end of the season. Yeah, I, I think it was. Uh, I don't know if there was financial implications for the FA or, or what, but it was a, an opportunity. You know, international managers say that they don't get enough time to work with their players, okay. and I think it was an opportunity for Jock to take us away for a long period of time and work with us over that. And I think we must have been away for a fortnight uh, mm -hmm. to play the three games, and we played in Toronto, Edmonton, and Vancouver. Um, against the Canadian national side and it was an opportunity to get the squad together for the manager to be able to work with the, the uh, squad as well because you don't get too many chances to do that and uh, yeah it was, I mean it was a good trip I think the players enjoyed it uh, I think the managers got a lot out of it as well and we won the three games I'm sure mm -hmm. we won it seemed three pretty games. routine I think it was a couple of 2 nils yeah. and a 3-0 or something like that yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean we expected to, yeah. to, to win it we, we certainly expected to win it and to be honest, the Canadian boys, there was a few Scottish boys, really? yeah, and, and the Canadian side, so we actually got on well together, okay. uh, and, uh, you know, although it was competitive on the park, uh, off the park, it was it was pretty social at times, <laughs> a couple of nights out together, so it was a good trip. And so you are able to get a wee bit of leeway then at, at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, you know, after games, then you were allowed uh, to mingle with the opposition, and uh, as I said, even the ones that weren't Scottish had some kind of a Scottish right, okay. ancestry, so there was always plenty to talk about. They're a good bunch of guys, actually. Was there no there was no controversy then surrounding trips like that? Because if you compare it, for example, to the South American trip that the Scotland team had at the mm -hmm. end of the season last year, it was almost as if that should never have happened. That mm -hmm. was a bad idea. But back then, was that more accepted, or um, the, the way that things were done? I, th I think it was more accepted, um, you know, because we we're playing against a nation that would give us the opportunity to work on things but we could still get the victory wasn't it so, you know we were taking on Canada likes of this trip um, where they were preparing for the World Cup you know the okay. trip you're talking about recently and you know there's a lot at stake for, for them and you're getting exposed a little bit uh, to a, a better quality opposition as well I think the, the Canada trip was there for a purpose to, to work with the players to take on a, a, a nation that you kind of knew that you were going to uh, beat on the, the three occasions um, and it was a much more relaxed atmosphere um, and I think everybody bought into it and believed it was a good thing to do, mm -hmm. whereas the exact opposite yeah. uh, happened just recently with Alec. You played against England again in 1984, 1-1 <coughs> draw at Wembley. Mm -hmm. Did the England games mean more than the others? Yes. Uh -huh. Oh, without doubt, when it was uh, the um, nation's home nation championship and then it was the Rouse Cup mm -hmm as well um, yeah th these were big big games and I think they were, they were big games because with a lot of uh, Anglo-Scottish players you know players that were playing in England as well who were playing against their teammates yeah. 
Um, <clears> but even even us, you know, at, at that time, you're then taking on Liverpool and uh, the uh, European Cup, and they, they turned us over at Aberdeen, Liverpool. We played um, Ipswich, and we turned them over. Right. So, and there is always that that fierce competitive nature of a Scotland-England game there's always a rivalry bubbling away always always you know I mean I've always felt and I'm sure it's true that they do not give any credence to our game up here at all Mm -hmm. um, down south you know particularly fans and commentators uh, so that kind of irks and there was always that big rivalry uh, you know, and that that didn't diminish. You know, in any Scotland England game that I played in, it was always huge. It was just, it wasn't as important as World Cups, but it was the next best thing mm-hmm. to playing in a, a qualifying uh, campaign for a World Cup or a World Cup finals was uh, playing against England. I think we probably took it more seriously <laughs> than they did, but believe me, you know, the Kevin Keegan's in this world as well, they, and then Brian Robson. They didn't want to get beat with Scotland. They didn't want to go back to their yeah. clubs and have. The jocks, as they would call them, giving them a bit of verbal. So it meant a lot to them as well. So was there a, a genuine then dislike, I suppose, between the players when it comes to being on the pitch? I know off the pitch there's a lot of uh, friendships and stuff Aye. between the players, but yeah. on the pitch, genuine, oh, yeah. genuine rivalry. Um, you know, you can take that back to the Leeds team. You know, where um, you know there was a whole bunch of Scots playing in that great Leeds team you know the, uh, Eddie Gray or the Gray's brothers Eddie and Frank it was Frank that I played mostly with uh, you know Billy Bremner uh, Joe Jordan all of these guys um, and th- there was that kind of a rival rivalry within their club you know the, the Scots against the English um, so it was pretty easy to take that into the national seen, you know, when it was actually Scotland against England, so it's a big rivalry in these days. And the group for the 86 World Cup qualification-wise anyway, Spain, Wales and Iceland, on paper, doesn't seem the, the trickiest, maybe I know Spain were a tremendous team, but Scotland got the better of them mm-hmm. at Hamden, what were yeah. the expectations for that then, to qualify? Again, to qualify, yeah, um, you know, I think uh, Wales... Um, Wales were a good side, you know. I mean, it was it was pretty nip and tuck against the uh, Wales, um, and it was, it was just, we had to draw down there, didn't we, to qualify? Yeah, we did Cooper's draw. Penalty. It was one-one where um, David Cooper had to come on, Jim Layton had to go off as well at halftime. Mm-hmm. So there was a bit of drama, um, you, you know, in that in that group. But yeah, I mean the. the um, the Spain and, and the Wales games were, were the, the key games for us, and that that game down at uh, at Cardiff and uh, you know the tragic events that unfolded um, with Josh Dean yeah. taking a heart attack. But that only that only allowed us to play against Australia, uh, you know, in a playoff as well. So we finished yeah. second in that yeah. uh, uh, that, that league, um, and then we had to take on Australia home and away, which we managed to take care of. But yeah, it was it was about it was about qualification. We, we expected to qualify for World Cups mm-hmm. in, in these days, and uh, you know the expectation was there. And uh, the fact that I don't think we were capable of accepting anything other than qualification. Was the Spain game at Hamden three-one uh, Johnston Dublin Douglas's iconic left foot yeah. finish into the top corner? Is that one of your more special Hamden memories? Yeah, yeah. I mean, plenty Hamden memories, good Hamden memories. But you know, when you take on um, 
you know the quality of Spain, and I know that their quality wasn't as we we, we know them modern day, mm -hmm. but it was still you know very high standard, and uh, to, to get that. Uh, but we had players that, that you know, whenever you've got Douglas in your team, you know that you've got someone special that you're playing with and someone that can uh, turn games in your favour. Um, but as I said, you know, we had a we had a really strong squad in these days, and you would go into these games expecting, particularly at Hamden, and I think that's how what we should be expecting these days as well. Um, is at Hamden making it some kind of a fortress where teams are coming expecting yeah. to go to go away defeated. Uh, and it doesn't matter who they are, you know, it's the best teams in the world should be coming to hand and with a bit of trepidation. Last time we saw that, I think, was probably Walter Smith and Alex McLeish's first time in charge when we came close in 2007. Yeah. yeah. I remember we beat France and Ukraine and yeah. stuff, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, France, beat France home and away. Yeah, one that, Yeah, I was over in the game, uh, over there, uh, the, the one nothing game. And, yeah, I think when you're... When you're inviting, or when these t these nations are coming over and playing against you, particularly Hamden, but a, a result away from home against France, if you beat France away from home, that's a magnificent result. Uh, but at Hamden, I think I think you've, we have got to, and Stevie Clark has got to try and get that mindset within the players that it doesn't matter who's coming to Hamden. You know, we're going to have Belgium coming, we're going to have Russia coming. We should be going there uh, confident of a result, and that result at worst should be a draw and uh, at best obviously a, a, a victory mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter who they are whether they're the best team in the world or not that's where you've got to try and you know work that mindset round to uh, back round to where it was in these days uh, so yeah I mean a difficult campaign uh, a tragic uh, it was it was mixed feelings wasn't it you mm -hmm. know because you've you've done enough to get yourself a playoff uh, game against um, Australia and qualification for the World Cup, but you've lost your uh, international manager in some tragic way. So uh, it was bittersweet, that's for sure, and elation after the game, but then depression in the dressing room. How, how do you remember all that unfolding then, Jockstein's death in Cardiff? Well, I was captain on the night, and uh, and you know it was Big Jim had to go off at half time. Jim Leighton got a head knock and uh, he got one of his contact lenses knocked out and right. nobody knew he wore contact lenses. It okay. was a secret. Even the man, even Alec Ferguson didn't know that he wore contact lenses. Um, and I didn't know he wore contact lenses, but he got a head knock and it was painfully obvious that something wasn't right at half time. So Jim had to go off and Alan Ruff came on, who was fine. Alan came on with a smile on his face and you know he was a laid back. Uh, kind of a personality that he had, um, and then we we get the penalty, and you know, the, if you're going to give a penalty to anybody, David Cooper, you're confident that he's going to score, right. and he did. <clears throat> but then it was just a matter of getting it over, uh, getting it over the finishing line, um, and it was about concentration, and that's what you were totally focused on that concentration uh, to make sure that you weren't giving Wales any opportunity, um, and we managed to get that, and then the, the kind of a all that just kind of a emotion, and then I came over to the. So we're celebrating with the fans. We got the emotion of, you know, the playoff game against the uh, Australia, another World Cup final possibility. Celebrating with the fans, and then I, as I was getting in the, the tunnel, it was uh, David Will that came up to me. No, David Will, Ernie, Ernie Walker that came up to me, uh, who was the SFA uh, secretary at the time, and. Uh, 
gave me the news that Jockstein had collapsed. We didn't know how bad it was. Okay. So, you know, we're going through all this euphoria into the tunnel and then it just all just went flat. Into the dressing room, flat, and we're waiting to hear the news and then we got the news. How long was that then after? Away. I would say maybe half an hour, an hour, perhaps, um, right. before, you know, the, the word was it had collapsed. That's all the, the news that we got. But then there's a lot um, of uncertainty for yeah. about half an hour to an you, hour then. You, okay. you don't know, you're waiting on the news, you know, you're trying to find out what's happening. Um, you just know that he's collapsed and he's, you know, giving him attention. Uh, the, the national doctor was there as well. And then it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a huge length of time afterwards, but the news then came that he'd passed away. So it was uh, pretty depressing and tragic news. Very emotional. Um, very emotional, yeah. yeah. Everybody, everybody shattered. And, uh, you, you know, you can't believe what they're hearing. Um, you know, but it's happened and, you know, we've still got that chance and that's what you've got to focus on once all the emotion and the suddenness of it just kind of drains away from you over the next few days and weeks you just got to go on with life How do you remember him as a manager and a person? Huge personality uh, man manager you, you know I think coaching he was good at coaching but not like the modern day coach where mm. you know it's in depth stuff um, I think Jock Dean's um, strength was in managing men you know, and managing a team and getting the best out of uh, players and moulding the team together without being over elaborate on the training field, over elaborate and yeah. in, in tactics. You know, trusting me and what I was doing with the club to bring that performance to the to the national team. Um, but just huge respect. You know, I think everybody had huge respect for Jockstein and what he had done in football and. You know what he'd managed to achieve with Celtic and at international level as well. That respect was there. Life goes on. Football goes on. You must have been happy to see Sir Alex Ferguson be, re- be the replacement. Yeah, you know, you, well, you couldn't get a better man, could you? Really, um, to take over and, uh, and and lead us forward, and that's what he did. You know, he, he took on the responsibility, the joint responsibility. Uh, you know, club and international. And, uh, and and you know we overcame Australia. Uh, I think it was 2-0 at home. Mm-hmm. Am I right in saying that? Yep. 0-0 over there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, McAvaney and Cooper, I think. Yeah. Handed. It was a difficult game over there. Mm-hmm. You know, we had to work hard for that 0-0. They were they were pretty good. We used to have, we used to have, uh, we used to have scored more at Hamden. We we dominated the game and we created numerous chances but they, they actually defended well we got the two goals and over there um, I remember it being a very uh, difficult night and one that where, where was it? be at their best <sighs> would it be Melbourne? honestly I can't remember I would have to look that <laughs> up sorry um, that's alright but uh, you, you know we took care of it it's a long way to go for a game yeah. of football I must admit um, but uh, you know the, I think the two goal cushion Gave us a confidence to go over there, but you know, it wasn't a spectacular performance from Scotland in any shape or form. Job um, done. Job done. Back home, mm. 24 hours back home, and uh, <laughs> looking for it, looking forward to another World Cup final. Still on the subject of Alex Ferguson, though, you will have known him for, of course, years before he became the Scotland manager. How was your relationship with him? A very good relationship. Um, obviously, I was captain of the team as well, and he was happy to keep me as captain. Um, and you know, we did we won something like twelve trophies together. 
So you don't do that, and you know yeah. there isn't mutual respect there. Um, uh, his his first his first year in the job at Aberdeen was quite. Uh, quite tense, you know. He was a young manager, and he was quite a brash young manager as well. And you know, he dealt with things pretty much head on, okay. and that kind of caused some issues with certain players. And I think it happened at Man United as well. But what he was good at is, is identifying the players that were for him and the players that were against him, and moving the ones that he didn't want out and keeping the ones mm-hmm. that were for him in, uh, and then. You know, moving on, giving young players the opportunity, and he did that at Man United as well. You know, with the Beckhams of this world that mm-hmm. he, he brought in. Um, you know, he brought in Black and Cooper and Simpson and all these uh, Hewitt as well. So he kind of had a formula, and you know, leading both clubs. But the relationship, you know, between him was was very strong. The bond was strong. Um, I think he trusted me, and I trusted him. His judgment. And uh, you know, I think when you've got that relationship, then you, you can take it forward and, and start winning and that belief to, that you're capable of breaking that old firm domination and winning trophies. So the relationship was very good. Did he have to change much in his style when he trans uh, were moving from Aberdeen to Scotland? Not really. I think it was maybe a little bit more mellow. Right. You know, I think when you're dealing with players from other clubs, you can't be too heavy-handed with a hairdryer. <laughs> You know, and you've got to ease off a little bit. And plus, you, you know, you're, you're dealing with club captains and players that play that high level and lifting European trophies. You still wear it at, at that time. So, I think he was uh, he, he was much more mellow, uh, but he, he still had the same passion, the same desire uh, to be successful. But again, you know, as Jock Steen found. As Alec Ferguson found, it doesn't matter how good a manager you are, it's still difficult to get to the World Cup and come out of that qualification campaign <laughs> yeah. because we didn't manage it there under him either. Denmark was the opening match. Mm-hmm. Extremely disappointing to come away with from that game with nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we struggled to score in, um, in the Mexico World Cup. Denmark were top nation as well. You know, it was Loudrop and Elkar that we played against. You know, the two top. Um, strikers. I remember their goal well. It was a, it was the most flickiest goal <laughs> that you're possibly ever going to see, but it was still a goal. Um, you know, I think it was Elkar that hit it. It was almost a miss hit that uh, on the edge from the edge of the box and it kind of a dribbled in at the back post. Um, so I thought we competed quite well with them. I thought we looked as though we. Um, we're definitely lacking in front of goal throughout that campaign. Um, we lost the one goal, um, but there wasn't much in it. It was it was pretty nip and tuck against you know a very good national side. But you're right. You know you, you start the campaign. What you don't want to start with is a defeat. You know a draw in that that game would have been you know mm-hmm. perfect for us as it as it to panned out. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't to be. Again, it was a, a very narrow defeat by you know. A nation at that time that was highly rated. Germany uh, was it East or West Germany? It was West Germany. West Germany got the better of us in the second game, and then came down to the Uruguay match, which I suppose is quite an iconic one for the wrong reasons, considering Uruguay got a man sent off so early, and then were described as animals uh, after the game. Is that accurate? Pretty much, yeah. The West Germany game was one that we took the lead. It was we Gordon that scored. you know, so I think our strikers were on strike um, <laughs> during that that spell. Uh, but again, you know, you're talking about one of the 
top uh, nations in, in the world uh, at that time and they came back in the second half and beat us 2-1 uh, so yes yeah, disappointing Big Alec missed that game I think I played with David Neri um, mm. at the back Big Alec was ill right um, so that was a bit of a blow uh, to us so yeah so so you know, again, you don't have any points, but you still get a chance. Yeah. <laughs> you if you if you beat Uruguay, you qualify. With how, how did that work then? The structure for the, the third place. The goal third place, through, yeah, yeah, the best third place. Right, it's, okay. it's a wee bit like the women's World Cup just now, where Scotland are going into a group, and um, I think in Scotland's case, there's six groups, and the four best uh, third place teams right. go in as well. And it was a, a kind of a setup like that. Mm -hmm. You know, where there were kind of a making the move towards making it easier to get qualify out your mm. group um, and as you said we get we, we get to Uruguay in the last game knowing that if we can win that game that we've, we've qualified mm. um, and again we, we, we can't score I mean we just couldn't score and they get a man sent off and the first could be Gordon Savage they've obviously you know pointed mm. Gordon out as a as a man that they've got to stop and within first few minutes of the game they've got a, they're down to 10 men and we play the rest of the game we can't score is that, is that World Cup a, a bigger missed opportunity than 82 oh, do you yeah. feel yeah, yeah. Uh, we should have qualified out of that one um, you know because you can't say that you're unlucky you know if they get a man sent off and they're down to 10 men and you still can't put one opportunity and we didn't create we hardly created a chance um, in the game um, so that was by far a chance missed. That was the most disappointing uh, result I, I thought. Um, you know, in the two World Cups that I played in, because we definitely went into that last game uh, with the feeling that we're capable of beating Uruguay. And then when you, they get the man sent off, you, you feel definitely we're going to. Surely, to goodness, we're going to create an opportunity here. We're going to get a goal. We played right through that game. Couldn't lay a, couldn't lay a glove on him. Couldn't lay a glove on him. We know that in '78 there was a, a lot of hype and uh, media pressure on Scotland going to Argentina. Yeah. We're going to win the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you feel similar in '82 and '86 from Scotland's media? No, no. no it, when, when George Dean came in uh, after Ali McLeod and after '78, it was his his aim when he first took over was to play down any expectations um, for the national team. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I can remember many um, interviews he did. Um, you know, just trying to keep it as low as possible. So you went from the Ali McLeod, we're going to win the World Cup. To listen, we'll be lucky if we qualify for the World <laughs> Cup. That, that's where Jock was laying the expectations. It was a, a definite uh, effort from him to take it back down the way. Um, so no, it didn't feel as though there was any expectations. Well, the expectation, as I said, I think in both World Cups that I played in was to qualify out the group. That was the expectation. Now, once you qualify out of the group, then that's different. You can then, uh, you know, look on the head-to-heads the, the head that you might have to encounter, depending on who you're going up against, um, as possible opportunities to go even further. But mm -hmm. the main task was to get out of that group, and on two occasions we, we, we failed. And we failed very narrowly, yes. Uh, Self-inflicted, yes. Well, that's being Scott. That's being Scottish, isn't it? That's what we seem to. Mm -hmm. are pretty good at doing you know is, is kind of a manoeuvring ourselves at that time anyway getting us I mean you even go back to Argentina where we beat Holland you know after two disastrous results and then you managed to 
turn Holland yeah. over in spectacular fashion. Uh, and you can even go back further to 74 and Jair and all the nonsense that went on against uh, Jair, mm -hmm. keeping the ball up and, you know, wasting the time when they should have been going for more goals. So, we're pretty good at uh, <laughs> shooting ourselves in the foot and I think that's another two occasions that we managed to do it with uh, 82 and 86, unfortunately. At major tournaments, uh, when the squad's away for a sustained period of ten together, what kind of teammate were you? Were you one of the more quiet ones, or did you enjoy to take part in a lot of the uh, banter? I suppose. No, I was I was one of the more quiet. Mm -hmm. I, you know, pretty much uh, kept myself to myself. Um, obviously, take part in and you know conversations at uh, lunch and at dinner and anything social that was going on. I would take part, but. I, I kind of a, whenever I was away with the national team, I like I like to focus. Even the club side, I like to focus on the job in hand, and uh, you, you know the things in the periphery didn't really kind of excite me. It was the, the games and who you were up against and okay. what you were trying to achieve. So that was my full focus um, at that time. The Euro '88 qualifiers had us in a group with Ireland, Bulgaria, Belgium, and Luxembourg. You only played in one. I believe mm -hmm. against Bulgaria. Why was why was that? I think I was heading out the international scene at that time. Um, that would have been under uh, Andy and then Craig Brown, mm -hmm. wouldn't it? Yeah, but the Andy Roxburgh would have been would the, be manager the manager that, at the yeah. time. Um, yeah, because it wasn't Craig took over after I retired, right? Because um, uh, I got my injury in November '89, mm -hmm. and it was Andy Roxburgh that was manager at the time. So I, although Craig was his assistant. I never played this when Craig okay. was manager, um, and I think they had decided that they wanted to just change and bring in, you know, younger uh, uh, footballers. Uh, that's the impression I got anyway. It was a changing in the guard type situation, okay. and uh, what was the game I played? I uh, Bulgaria nil nil. Was that down yeah. here? Yeah, it was a shutout, so <laughs> you know, I, was, I was still okay. Um, and 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 that was the feeling that I was getting under Andy. You know, I think uh, under Jock was the majority uh, of my uh, international appearances under Alec Ferguson. And then I think when Andy took over, I, I just got that feeling that they were beginning to turn things around, try to get there. So, what uh, dates are you talking now? So, that, that was qualifying for Euro 88, and the Bulgaria one was the first one. So, I'm assuming that would be at the end of 86 or the start of yeah. 87 or something yeah. like that. But I noticed that after Euro 88, we didn't qualify, that you came back in for a few uh, games in Italia 90 qualifying. Yeah, yeah. So, I you did. had that period out of the team, and then yeah, no, was it was it your experience maybe that I, they fancied? Well, it was definitely my experience yeah. uh, for the last game because mm -hmm. I remember the conversation with Andy Roxburgh um, for the Norway game. Um, I think I'd played some early games in that uh, qualifying mm -hmm. campaign and four, then I had missed, yeah. Yeah, uh, four in total, two against Norway, two against Yugoslavia. Yeah, and that, that last, I get a phone call because I thought I was definitely, you know, out the scene at that time. I had began to get, um, you know, injury issues with my knee as well okay. uh, during that time. So although I was playing, uh, you know, at club level, that there was still couple of operations that I'd went through and maybe that had an impact in some of these games that you're talking about as well but the Norway game um, was definitely the experience you know, Andy had phoned me up and asked me if I would uh, come back and play in it you know it was an important game they had to get through it uh, you know without you know being defeated mm -hmm. uh, to qualify 
and uh, and and that was the case. Um, I came back. I played played for most of the game, but then I, I got the injury against yeah. Norway. It was one 0 Went off. It was one one at finish. Wishman said, Jim, you know, had some kind of an error as mm. I went off uh, the park. It was obviously missing me. <laughs> um, but that was yeah. I mean that one was definitely a one-off game. Um, but. It, I ended my international. Well, I ended my career. Full stop. Mm -hmm. Not my international. But what was the injury? In the it was knee? my knee injury. I had. My, I had. Um, I, I got a knock in a friendly game, actually, um, and uh, that was the start of the problem with my knee. And it was never the same. And I, I, I then got another couple of knocks on it, you know, over, mm -hmm. and it just gradually deteriorated. It's like uh, osteoarthritis, you know, it's like bone okay. damage. So the cartilage was initially taken out, and then you get bone. Bone on bone, right. and then that kind of a wears away. So sounds horrible. Probably, well, it's, it was at the time. Um, you know, probably from what maybe eighty six onward, the last four years um, of my career, yeah. I had these issues with my knee, um, and then it was finally, it was finally, uh, it was a stupid tackle. Where it, the referee had blown the whistle, and I just stopped, and this. Can't remember the guy's name, but Norwegian just came in and took me out of the game completely, and I was I knew as soon as he hit me that I was gone. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it was uh, it was elation because Scotland had qualified on the night, but disappointment, and I kind of I knew that yeah. this could be the end. Oh, yeah, but it's still fitting, I suppose, for someone who had so many caps that your last appearance for Scotland was in an, a vital game. Yeah, yeah, and a no, successful one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was. And my last two games were actually at hand and. I tried to come back the following season. It was against Queen's Park. Um, there weren't as, quite as many fans in as there was uh, for the Norway game. But but you're right. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go out, you might as well go out and uh, having an impact on the qualification, mm -hmm. uh, you know, process. And that's what happened against Norway. Before we finish off, I like to do this with all the podcast guests. Just a couple of quick fire questions with regards mm -hmm. to your international career. So, who was your best teammate on the pitch? Most talented or Whatever. There was a number of best players. I suppose there've been best players. Kenny Douglas mm -hmm. that I played with. Um, you know, I think watching Kenny and playing at that level, and you know, getting to know him as a person as well. So you know Kenny Douglas a person. You know him as a as a player. Uh, you're looking at Kenny being, you know, almost world ranked mm -hmm. at that time, and you know, a magician with the ball at his feet and some wonderful goals that he scored too. So. I would say that, that, that you know the best international player that I played with um, would be Kenny Douglas. Kenny Douglas, okay. What about your toughest opponent? You must have come up against some top strikers. Yeah, I, I think the one that I take most satisfaction out is, uh, and I always say I, I play against big name players, and you can't get any bigger name than Carol Sainz Rummenigge. Mm -hmm. So he he won the European Player of the Year twice on two occasions, um, and uh, played against them in the quarterfinals in '83 uh, European. Cup winners cup and you know they didn't he didn't score um over there or at Petodre. You know, it was mm -hmm. nil nil over there. Uh, three two at Petodre. It was actually a midfield and a defender that scored the, the two goals at, at Petodre. So I think when you come up against that type of mm -hmm. quality opposition then and you manage to keep them quiet then I think you, you look upon that as a bit of a uh, bit of a job well done. Yeah, absolutely. What was your best performance in a Scotland jersey? I think Wembley um, in 80 is it 80, 80 the 1-0 game the 1-0 game 80 or 81 80, 80, yeah, yeah. 
I think that, in, in a number of uh, reasons, um, was Tony Woodcock that I played against, who was playing at a high level. I think he was in Germany at the time. And Trevor Francis, who, you know, European Cup winners as well. So it was Tony Wood, Woodcock in the first half, and that was my job to take care of him. Mm -hmm. And then it was Trevor Francis in the second half. And again, we won 1-0. Yeah. So, you know, I was playing with Alec at the time, and that relationship, you know, played a big part in it. But coming up against these two players um, of that quality, uh, in particular down at Wembley, and, you know, keeping them quiet, yeah. Yeah, that would be the best performance, I would say. I've got your, well, I've got to ask you your favourite game as well. Would that be the England one? I think so, yeah. I think when I look back in my career, it was just, it was so important in so many ways. You know, there's other highs in qualifying for World Cup uh, uh, campaigns. Mm -hmm. There's playing in World Cups, which are a high, but that one was, uh, without that game, I wouldn't have went on to have the international career, I don't think, okay. in my mind, when I look back on it, because it was always a fight, it was always a fight to try and get yourself established uh, international level, you're playing with Aberdeen, um, okay, you're beginning to win things in the early 80s, you know, domestically, but you still, you, you weren't looked upon as an established name uh, for Scotland, mm -hmm. and after that game, you were established. Everything changed. Yeah. Everything changed after that game, you were then accepted as a player that could be uh, regularly, um, you know, in the team, starting lineup for Scotland, and that's really where my caps kind of took off, and I won most of mm -hmm. my caps after that. So that is that, that's the one that I remember. That's the most important game, international game in my career, uh, and you know, for all the reasons I just told you. Brilliant. And the one moment that you'll never forget, something that happened in a Scotland game that you were on the park for, could be a goal that someone in your team scored or a tackle that you've made, something like that? One moment that you feel... Is this international? Forget internationally, yeah, international. Um, probably... Well, there's a couple. I mean, the Hanson incident, you, you can't get away from that. That will always be something that uh, you can have a look back on and uh, with, with a lot of uh, frustration, I would say. Um, but thankfully, I managed to still have, you know, a very positive career after that. That's one that, that you'll always remember. I, and again, I go back to Wembley. I just go back to the, 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 there isn't one incident, but everything that happened in that that game, you know, going out before the game, you know, seeing the uh, the, the Scottish fans that used to invade yeah. uh, London at that time, playing against that opposition and knowing at the end of the game that you were accepted mm -hmm. as an international player. Uh, so I would say that perhaps being captain and you can you can you know w work through this and pick one out. I was being captain but it was a friendly uh, was uh, shaking hands with Michel Platini All right. um, and playing against that, that French side that were immense Platini, Gerais Tigana um, in Marseille they beat us 2 nothing. it could have been 5 or 6 you know you could barely do anything um, against them they were that good so you know being in the same pack as Michel Platini who would be like Messi just yeah. now I think is, is something that is special um, plenty to choose from plenty to choose from plenty to choose from you, you know when you look back uh, watching Paul Gascoigne 
Um, I played in Don Ravy's testimonial. Mm -hmm. Paul Gascoigne was a young emerging player, and right. you know, watching the the class and the skill that he had at that time was was something special. And you knew that you were in mm -hmm. the company of greatness. Uh, so. There's a few. There's a lot. You can pick the ones <laughs> Well, that's been very, very enjoyable, Willie. I hope you've enjoyed running through your career. Yeah, no, pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Cheers. Yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network.